Hello and welcome to another edition of the HM Wheelhouse Show. I've got a special guest, a former Notre Dame Fighting Irish national champion and the original Carolina Panther, Mr. Rod Smith. Check us out on this edition of the HM Wheelhouse Show. H-Town Wheelhouse, going for the throne, going up the H, got a rep for the home, he ain't never been the clone, man he's so real, since 7, 8, you know we always keep it real, the H on the cap, Houston on the lead, swinging for the fence, hit the ball off the grid, ladies game 6, bottom of the 6, you know we still tipping, still balling in the mix, well, watch him. Call him out too. Vegas can't nothing stop him. Fight them killer bees. Still going strong. H-Town Warehouse still putting on. That's right. We're still putting on, baby. H-Town. That is right. That's how we roll up in the H-Town Warehouse show for Athletically Declined Sports. So you can find me at H-Town Warehouse on X, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also find me at Stros411 on X, Instagram, and Facebook, where I'm always positive, always Stros. Look, if you would have told me in 1988, after having my heart broken by the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, that in 2024, I would be interviewing one of the men on the other side of the rivalry, Rod Smith with me, I would say there's no way. That's why he's even got, look, he's even showing off his national championship ring. Hey, you know what? That is a great flex. Rod, tell everybody where they can find you on socials. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. And uh, I'm at um, Rod Smith Official on TikTok and uh, Instagram. And uh, you can catch me there. And then, then my, my girl hands my website. Uh, I think it's Rod, I think it's Rod Smith ND um, is my website uh, where I do my public speaking and that kind of thing. So, yeah, check me out. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I mean, you know, I, I want to talk about Texans and draft and football, but I, I want to reminisce. And I don't know if I've talked about this much with my audience because my name is H-Town Wheelhouse. You wouldn't think that I would be, be a Miami Hurricanes fan, but I am a Florida native. So I, I do say that I'm jealous of my own children because they were actually born in Texas. I could never say I was born in Texas, but I got here as quick as I could. Growing up, my family, they were either Florida State fans or Florida Gator fans. So naturally, I went against the grain and I was like, I believe Miami was really good in the early 80s. I was like, you know what? That's my team. That's my team. And so I picked a great era to like the Miami Hurricanes. And then we have the Catholics versus convicts. We have Miami versus Ohio State, Miami versus Nebraska. I mean, all the classic just 80s and like 80s, whether it's mid or late 80s, early 90s, what I think was one of the golden eras of college football because it was in its purest form. You didn't have the NILs. You didn't have all the bickering over changing conference. It was just purely football. If you got to the Orange Bowl or the Rose Bowl, that was the game. And so tell us about that season. Lou Holtz, an amazing coach. Y'all had Tony Rice as quarterback. I mean, so many great players came into that program. And a lot of times, y'all's guys grew up playing football with the Hurricanes. What was that like? What was that rivalry like, especially that year in 1988 when y'all captured that 31 to 30 win? It was, um, it's funny. <clears throat> I get this question, excuse me. I get this question asked um, often and, and what comes to mind is of every football team I played on, I mean, given the level, right? 
Um, that Notre Dame 1988 team, clearly at Notre Dame was the least talented, okay? But they were the most connected. Um, the players loved each other the most. Um, they were the most communicative between one another. They liked each other more. And they were the meanest and most physical 11 guys or 22 guys I have ever been around at any level. I mean, I mean, to a man, I mean, to, through a two deep, everybody on that two deep would hit you in the mouth. I mean, there was no easy lunch anywhere in that, in that two deep. We were more talented in 89 and 90 and 91, more first rounders, more second rounders, more, more pro bowlers, all that. But that 88 team, were just a bunch of highly intelligent savages, absolutely savages that that love each other. I can't even begin to describe how physical and nasty the drills were that we did on a daily basis. You know, and and it's funny because when you see Lou Holtz compared to the players on the sideline, you're like, how is this little <laughs> dude gonna tell these big dudes what to do? And I mean, but it really fed into the mystique and the narrative of Notre Dame and Notre Dame's historical past, you know. And if nobody knew anything about Notre Dame, they've at least seen Rudy. So you've got that whole moniker, um, Luke Rockney, you got all the all the history, the four horsemen, all that stuff, right? But Notre Dame really was in one of its golden eras when you were there and you got to be a part of that. What was that stadium like playing in that stadium? And I'm sure it was different than any other stadium y'all played in all season. It was, uh, it's fantastic. I mean, if you haven't been in Notre Dame stadium, I know I'm a homer. Um, um, and I'm biased a hundred percent, but it is a wonderful older, um, um, but well-built, um, good seats and all that kind of thing. But it is it is, it is, is absolutely old school. I mean, it is brick. There's not a lot of electricity in a lot of spots. I mean, it is, it's, 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 for, it's for battle. It's not, it's not built for comfort and, and lounging and that kind of thing. There's no, there's no luxury box. You know what I mean? Everybody's outside. It, I mean, it's, if you're calling the game, you're in a box. Everybody else is outside, right? And um, it is, uh, it's an amazing place to play in and you, you get to the, the south end and you look back and you see touchdown Jesus over the, you know, standing over the top. Of right. Zone, yes. You know, and it's, you know, and it sounds cheesy, but it is, it, but it, it does like take your kind of breath away. You see, it, you're like, wow. You know I mean? I'm not Catholic, but you look at that and you're just like, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, how can you not think that's pretty cool? Right. Um, uh, exactly. It's great. You know, and, and I, and I got to say this about, about Miami since you brought them up at the beginning. Um, uh, Rocket Ishmael, a quick story. So Rocket Ishmael and I were same yeah. class. He was my roommate on the road. So, um, and we were receivers together as true freshmen playing on that championship team. And uh, um, so we watched film together for an hour after practice. And the first time we watched Miami film, we both looked at each other after about 10 minutes and we're like, they look just like us. And he was like, I know. I mean, their cover three looks just like our cover three. Wow. Their cover two looks just like our cover two. Their cover one looks like our, I mean, even the, even the way they played it, the, the leverage of the shoulders and the eyes and, and the stems, we're literally stemming like we stem. I was like, they're us. Like for all of the for all of the two live crew and the in the in the um in the in the loud music in the in the uh in the in the um what the the, the, the stuff they wear, the um the camouflage and all that. Right. And the, oh, yeah, and, I remember and the girls that. and all when it came down to it, 
The reason why the Miami Hurricanes were so successful was their discipline and their physicalness. That, that's what, it wasn't some kind of like, oh, Miami's got all this speed and talent. You know, it wasn't that. They, it wasn't that. The reason why they were so good under Jimmy Johnson especially is their discipline and their physical toughness. They played the game just like we they, they could have been in the Big Ten for, for all it looked like. Between the chalk lines, mm. they, might, they might as well have been Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama. That's how they played. They, they literally tried to kick your butt with discipline and toughness. You know, I I love hearing that because I remember having to kind of defend their honor as a as a young Hurricanes fan because it was all <laughs> sure. controversy. It, you know, like you said, Luther Campbell and I mean, you bring it back to me, man. dude. Like those, those dudes are like kids are living things. Those dudes are actually banned. Like two of crew couldn't go to some cities, but Jimmy, so Jimmy Johnson. It, you know, funny is Pete Carroll kind of took on to that mantra at USC, you know, when he had yeah. Snoop Dogg. And, and so yeah. you have these coaches that, you know, have their styles. And to this day, it blows my mind to think that Jerry Jones literally fired Jimmy Johnson because I believe he was more popular than Jerry Jones. I mean, that's why he got rid of him. I'm just like, Jimmy Johnson is an epic coach, one of the most respected coaches and to have him and Lou Holtz and for that game to be that close to me, you, you, you like shining light on the fact that y'all both did the same thing completely helps you understand why it was a 31 to 30 game, which to this day you're going, man, should they have kicked the field goal? I mean, what would have happened if they would have kicked that field goal, you know? And, and so, man, I, I absolutely love hearing that. That just that just makes my makes my young football heart just 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 yell with pride. And um, but Miami for years has has it had it had been one of those programs, and it had kind of fallen off. And I think there's a lot of different things going on. But I noticed Rod. I, I went back and I found some footage of you, and you laid the wood when you were out there, like you weren't one of these, like, okay, if I don't get the interception and just, just run the guy down, you, you laid some pop. And I, I believe there's a hit that I found on YouTube when you were with the Patriots, I believe. Was it the Patriots? Patriots and, yeah. you, and you Jack, I don't know who it was, but you jacked somebody up, man. It was <laughs> Rod Smith with the hit, you know, football's changed a lot, Rod. Football's yeah. changed a it lot. Has. It has. Um, like, what is your take on the game now? And I'm not, I'm not looking for you to, you know, come here and slander the game or anything like that. But, like, what do you see? What do you notice, like, from the college game? The differences today compared to what you guys went through in your in your years at Notre Dame. Well, it's um, I think that 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 there's been a a natural and a healthy evolution uh, in the game. Um. You know, all games develop, right? Three-point shot in basketball. Baseball guys get bigger, faster, stronger. And, you know, back in the late 90s when guys were pumping themselves with stuff and just hitting balls. You have to, you have to change it. You have to change the game. Football's the same way. I mean, players are so much here, – here's the way I say it. Is that the thigh bone is the same now as it was 150 years ago. Okay? Exactly sure. the same. It has not evolved. But think about the difference in thigh muscle strength of a player – playing in 2024 versus a guy playing in 1930. The, the, right. the bone the bone is the same strength, the same made of the same stuff, 
but the muscle around it is so much bigger and so much stronger and so much more more elastic and you know I mean all that. So as players get are able to 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 exercise more force, right? You have to kind of change the rules so that they don't kill each other because the skull is the same, right? But everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, nowadays, you know, a guy like me running 4'4 in the 40 at 185 pounds, I'm almost too slow to play nowadays, right? A guy guy my size right now is probably running 4'3'2", 4'3'1", my size. I mean, so, like, and they're any stronger, right? So... So when that guy hits you, but the brain, but but my skull's the same, right? So he's impacting more force, and so mm. you've got to do things to protect the players, so that literally, so they don't kill each other, right? So the game's gotten a little more, a little softer. I don't want to say softer, but a little, a little less face-to-face type of collisions, that kind of thing, less mm. headshots. Um, and I think it's it's it was it was necessary. Okay, yeah, no, I I, I think that's a good call on that. You know, I know a lot of your, you know, casual fans are, I would, you know, I would consider myself a casual baseball fan compared to where I am with baseball, just because I do understand it, but I don't, I don't, I don't keep up with it as religiously, I guess, for lack of a better word, as I do baseball, but it just, it just appears to me. I remember years ago, um, when Hesse years ago, it wasn't that long ago, whenever Brian Cushing was playing for the Texans. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row, he had his knee blown out. And that was shortly after the kind of legislation of safety came down where they're like, no more head tackles or shoulder high tackles, or we got to go for the for the legs. And I'm like, hold on. You just took out the trunk and you just said, okay, go full force at the legs, the weakest part. Like, why would you not want them going to the torso? Because that right there is where you can sustain that, you know. And it seemed like there were a lot of blown out knees, a lot of ACLs, a lot of that stuff happening. Be and it and, and it and it kind of snowballed. And I think sometimes footballs tried to overcorrect. And it's it's almost like Rod when you're when you're doing something right. Let's let's say you're not super well versed in building a new fence in your backyard, right? Well, if you don't really know what you're doing, you're gonna try to be extra careful. And that's when that's when guys like me use hammers and nails and we hit the hammer on our thumb and we do because we're trying to be so safe sure. that that when I think you're trying to be too safe too consciously, mm-hmm. that you get out of what you're supposed to be doing. You forget the form tackling and all that you're stuff. Right. So right. It seems like that really has been another that's I think one of the drawbacks of trying to make the game safer. Mm-hmm. 100%. The, the, the changes in the, um, I mean, you add another game to the schedule, so you're making it, making it a little harder. Um, in order to protect the players so that, they can, so that they can play longer, you eliminate a lot of the physical stuff that we used to do in practice uh, during the regular season. You eliminate that, and you're going to get sloppy tackling. You're going to get guys falling on the ground, guys off, off balance, rolling in each other's knees, like guys get injured. Like You're, you're absolutely going to get some of that. Um, you know, and, and it's a it's a trade off. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, you're right. Like the game is not as clean physically as it was in the past because they simply don't practice doing the physical things as much as they used to. Okay, so right. that's true. that's a hundred percent the case. Um, and you're going to have, you know, you're also going to have less head head injuries. You're going to have less. Um, you're going to have some more knees, but you're going to have less heads. You know what I mean? And it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's give and take. And uh, and and you're right. They. I felt the same way you did that. They, they kind of overcorrected a little bit. Like you can't touch the quarterback at all. Like you can't knock him down with one step. Like you gotta be like, like, if, I mean, like that's, you can't push him down if you're one step away. Like, come on now. Like that's crazy. So, so, you know, 
hopefully that 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 corrects back, you know, and uh, there are smart people looking at the rules. So hopefully they can correct that thing and, and get and find a nice balance is, is the hope. Yeah, definitely. Now, you you mentioned the rocket um, and I want to I want to go back to him because. So my grandmother um, was a she was a dual citizen. She was from Canada originally. And it's funny. I told someone I was part Canadian. They're like Canadians and nationality. I'm like, hey, let me have my part Canadian. This okay? Um, don't knock my grandma. Mimi was a saint. Don't ruin her name. But she was a big Toronto Argonauts fan. And I remember when Rocket went and played in Toronto. Yeah. And she sent me one of his car and I've and I've and I've been looking for it. And I think it's in my dad's collection, but I still have a card of Rocket um with him in the Toronto Argonauts uniform. And I remember that was a hot card when it came out. I was I was in the collector collection. That was huge. But yeah, he just I love seeing him on 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 college game day. I I love his commentary. And that's what's been so cool. Um now, because I haven't followed you extensively, have you had opportunity to get into the booth with some of these other guys? Have you, have you done any of that? Is that something that you're looking at doing more? Um, tell us about that, uh, about that part of it. Yeah, I um, it's funny you ask that. Like, I actually commentated for ESPN Regional here in Charlotte. They opened a regional office, I want to say, in, in 20, in 20, 23, uh, not, not 20, 23, but, 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 2003, okay. and uh, and I jumped in there and, and commented for like four years. I did I did Big Ten games and um, okay, did a Big Ten TV show out of that place and really enjoyed it. You know, it just it got to a point where they're getting you know three percent raises and and mm. I didn't know if I was going to break through and get to national. So you know, I decided to, to, to get into the business and and uh, get into construction and um, off to the races. But but really enjoyed uh, my time at ESPN Regional. I did some games for Fox Sports as well. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed it, and and like you know, if I could, if I could, um, if I could, I mean, I'm kind of more into like college now than, than anything. But like, but I would get back in the booth again and, and call some games. It's a lot of fun, you know, especially doing it now where it wouldn't be my main thing. I got a business to run, but I could, but I could do it and just enjoy it, you know, and just enjoy the oh, process yeah. of it. Would be would be great. I'd be open to doing that 100. Well, you know, my my favorite guys to listen to are guys like Tony Romo. I mean, this dude. He's good. 100%. I'm sitting there going, why is me and me and one of my buddies was talking I, and I go and I think I knew the answer to the question, but I was like, why doesn't Tony Romo coach? He goes, because he makes a whole lot more money talking uh, about football than worrying about the headaches of coaching. Oh, that's right. A hundred, a hundred percent. People ask me, hey, why, how do you know you to get into coaching? I'm like. Are you kidding me? And, and literally get bounced all over the state, all over the all over the country for like, you know, as a, as a position coach, getting bounced for every two years, having to move across the country. Wow. You know, but I mean, like, and then not knowing if your head coach gets fired, then you get fired, and like, never know if you have job security. Like, no thanks, man. Like, and everybody sees the guys at the pro level that are making, you know, the coordinators making, you know, a million, two or three million dollars a year, a coordinator. But listen, there are thousands of guys underneath them. Tens of thousands of guys underneath them that are all vying for that same spot. Like everybody, only you only see the top edge, but you don't see all that that pyramid underneath those guys. Like, yeah, it's, you, exactly. don't, you don't just wake up and say I'm going to be a coordinator somewhere and get three million dollars a year. It doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. I mean, it it there's there's got to be a lot of pressure. Um, well, but yeah, so you know, I just want to remind the people: make sure that y- if you're watching this show, make sure that y'all um, subscribe to our YouTube channel at um, Athletically Declined Sports. We are on all socials: 
we're on Spotify. You can check us out there. So, um, you know, Rod, you know, Rod, thank you for, you know, for joining us. And if y'all, if y'all came in the show halfway through, um, Rod is a Notre Dame fighting Irish, a, a Notre Dame fighting Irish that broke my heart in 1988, but that's okay. I'll forgive him. I believe I was 13 at the time. Uh, and I was full on wearing my Miami gear. I, I I probably had a Miami hat. I'm pretty sure I had Miami jorts. Like I had like green with a little Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, like I was full on fanboy for the Hurricanes, right? And and um and so I I remember watching that game with Steve Walsh. I love Steve Walsh. And but you know what's cool is to kind of lead this into the Texans. I loved when Andre Johnson came to Houston because I, I thought he was an absolute beast of a player in college. And there were all these Miami players that would come through the Ray Lewis's and stuff. I'm like, Oh, why don't they end up in Houston? I always wanted to cheer for Miami hurricane. And one of the, one of the first few teams that the Texans had, they, they draft now hall of famer, Andre Johnson, one of the, one of the best receivers. I mean, him and Calvin Johnson are so similar but he did things that I think I don't think I've seen any other wide receiver do. How, how impressive was AJ all the way from Miami into his pro career from your perspective as a, as a, as a defensive back, because he would be a guy that you would have to try to lock up if you're on the other side of the ball. Yeah. He was a monster. And, um, you know, um, I was able to stay in the league for a long time by being a good tackler. I, I, I've never had great ball skills, um, uh, but uh, but but I'm a good tackler. And, and like you mentioned earlier, like I try to be as physical as possible. And and I'm not a huge guy, but yeah, I wrestled a little bit and studied jujitsu and before it was cool. And 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 I felt like I could out leverage people and get them on their back pretty quickly. And um, uh, you know, if if you're playing against a wide receiver. Um, you know, a, uh, a Randy Moss or a, um, a, a, um, um, a Isaac Bruce or somebody like that has got a lot of speed, a lot of, a lot of great ball skills and that kind of thing. I, I'm outmatched. Um, not athletically, but I'm outmatched ball skills and these guys. However, people forget they have to run the football. Okay. And when they run the football, now it's a chance for Rod to get my hands on his chest, right? Mm. And put him on his back or on his head or on his whatever I, whatever I feel like it. So, there's a chance you get chances to like beat the dog out of these wide receivers. And you'd be surprised how it changes somebody's routes after you dump them on their back three or four times in the run game. Right. And the reason I tell all that story is because guys like, uh, like Kelvin Johnson and, and, and Andre, like, like they want the smoke, right. Mm. When, when, it, when, it, when it's, when it's run play time, they're like, Oh, they're, they're, they're like, Hey, and, and they've watched film on you. So they know that you're going to rip. So they're like, they come up, they break the hole and they go, Hey, Smitty, Hey, Hey, it's go time, right? Because it's like second and one. Everybody knows it's gonna be a run play, and they're like, they break the huddle and go, "Hey, let's 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 do this." Ready? Got me like, there's a there's a fun kind of banter that they, and I smile at the guy. I'm like, all right, you know, let, let's get it on. You know, we're about to hit button a minute. So it's it's there, and there are only about ten guys in the league at wide receiver that that feel like that. You know, Sterling Sharp, Michael Irvin. There are, there are only a couple guys. There, Chris Carter, that really right. want the smoke. I want everybody else. Jerry Rice doesn't want the smoke. He does. Jerry Rice is a great receiver. Don't get me wrong, the best ever. I mean, maybe the best football player ever, to be honest. I mean, maybe number two under Brady, but but he doesn't he doesn't want to he doesn't really want that. You know, you, you know, he's like, nah, he'll turn it down, right? You know, versus uh, a To wants it, right? Mm. So I found myself less effective 
against those guys that that felt like that. I mean, I'm going to battle them. We're going to go. We're going to head, but we're going to bleed. Let's get it on. But I wasn't nearly as effective against guys like that as I was against players that that weren't as attuned to like being physical in that run game. You know, that's that's great insight because because you always wonder if if these guys what their mentality is going on the field. Of course, Andre Johnson, I don't know if you remember the the famous uh, fight he got into with Cortland Finnegan. Cortland yeah. Finnegan was, was talking smack, and I'm like, hold up. AJ's from Miami, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like, Cortland Cor- Cor- must have been smoking some smoking something crazy. But, you know, Cortland was kind of – I mean, he had that, like, whole – that whole image about him, right? When, when he was in the league. And so he was sticking to, to the character he was, which look, I don't, I don't want a guy changing because competition changes. And, um, but so, so, you know, here, here in the last few minutes, tell me the Texans have eight picks this year. Um, There's a lot of talk about Chris Jones signing possibly with the Texans, but of course he's probably going to want the moon and, Mars and every planet in the system. So you're going to take a massive chunk of change where you've got a ton of cap room. Should the Texans go with the Chris Jones and then just let the chips fall where they may? Or do you think that they go after a defensive lineman with one of their first couple picks first or second round? Well, I mean, they've got a ton of cap space, right? So they, they, they have the ability to sign some players. I am, I'm of the thought of being, uh, well, let me back up a second. And, and what I learned about building a roster, I learned from Bill Parcells in, in New England. Um, Bill Parcells would get in at three at five o'clock in the morning and get on the treadmill for about an hour and just, 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 and just. Now I can't say he would run. All right, let's be honest here. I mean, but he, but he, <laughs> but right. they tune him with with jog. All right, and right. um, and so uh, on Tuesdays I'd go in there on my day off and try to get in there with him and just jump on the treadmill at five o'clock and stay there for about twenty minutes and. And I'd have a. I was just one on one with Bill Parcells for for twenty to thirty minutes. I could ask him any question, and, he, and it's Bill Parcells. He loves talking football. You know, what I mean, he's got a young corner that wants to ask him questions and learn about the game. He can't wait. So I, I just ate that time up, and I asked him about building rosters. And and here's the the quick thing he said to me. He goes, Rod. He goes, Listen, a good big football player is better than a good small football player. Hmm. I mean, hold on, hold on to that one. So I say, listen. So you got a second round uh, rating on a tight end, on a defensive lineman, and a cornerback. Like, how do you pick the guy that the, the guy that you need? He goes, a big, a good big football player is better than a good small football player. Hmm. And I say that because if I'm the Texans, I'm spending that draft capital and I'm trying to rebuild that offensive line. I mean, not they're they're good at tackles, but they but their center and guards they can probably upgrade those. I'm looking to upgrade there. I'm looking to get a, a defensive lineman, interior guy, and and I'm trying to build the thing through the draft as much as possible and get those rookie contracts and guys that can be on your franchise for a couple of years and not and not cause you a, a, a huge cap hit. I don't I don't think I don't think that they use all their cap room trying to win the Super Bowl next year. Mm, you know what I mean? Sense. I think yeah. I think I I think the program still needs another year or two to get to that range and to be honest with themselves and say, listen, let's. Let's build this thing for the slow climb rather than try to like use all of our cap room and load the thing with Chris Jones and then find out if we don't win the Super Bowl next year. Now we've got this huge contract. He's getting older and, and we're and we're we're on the hook. So let's let's stay in a cap friendly, advantageous situation by using our, our capital for draft picks and building the thing slowly from the ground up. 
because they did they did overachieve this year. I mean, everybody's like six wins and they're good, but I mean, they were literally one game away from the AFC Championship game, but two games away from the Super Bowl. Um, I, I actually got to interview Nico Collins at the TriStar Sports Show, and I asked him, I was like, "Did you guys surprise yourself?" And he, you know, of course, he said no. He goes, "This was our expectation going in. Like we were confident in who we were." We were confident in what D'Amico Ryans brought us. And Cody Davis, one of the guys who writes for the Texans, um, who writes for Texans Sports Illustrated, um, he owns that site. Uh, he said that when they came in, that C.J. Stroud and um, and Will Anderson Jr. got together and they made they got a list of all the phone numbers of all the rookies and they put them in a group text and they said, we're all going to meet. And, they, and they, they would have these rookie meetings and they, the first couple meetings was them telling these guys what the culture was like at Ohio State and Alabama. And they wanted to create a culture with this rookie group that that NFL had never seen. And I thought to, to exercise that kind of leadership from two rookies, and then they end up being both offensive and defensive rookie of the year, really shines light on how bright the future is for the Texans. Because what I'm hearing, their schedule this next year is really tough. And they may not, quote unquote, improve record wise or get further in the playoffs. And you know what the naysayers are going to say? Oh, we knew it was kind of a one hit wonder. They may have a little bit more bumpy road this year than they did last year. Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, and I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I just got to get two things off here real quick. And I'll yeah, try to be as fast as yeah. I can. Okay. Number one, we're going to go back to CJ Stroud in a second, but number one, we're going to do Miami. During that 1988 game, Notre Dame versus Miami, Cavs versus Convicts, um, something that a lot of people don't know is, as as Miami, when the Miami drove down the field and they scored that last touchdown and had an opportunity to go for two and win the game or kick a field goal and, and tie it, if they kick a field goal and tie it, kick an extra point they, and they tie it, they stay number one and Jimmy Johnson's wearing this ring right now. Okay? So Jimmy Johnson plays to win the game. He does. At all, at, forget the national championship. Forget those rings. When I get on the plane, I get on the plane for one reason, and that's to get to get back on the plane as a winner. Period in the story. Mm-hmm. They can carry me out of my shield. That's number one. When they scored that touchdown, I looked over and Jimmy Johnson's on the sideline. Took his headsets off, called the play himself, and wow. stood back. I went. I looked back. I said, "Are you kidding me right now?" Not only did Jimmy Johnson plan on going for two before they even got the ball, number wow. one. It wasn't it wasn't a decision he made as he was they were going for two before they even got that last ball. That's number one. <laughs> Every single player on the Notre Dame team after that game, we didn't say much aloud to each other, but we were all saying, looking at each other like, that guy's a savage. And like, mm. how can you not want to play for a guy like that who's willing to sacrifice? a ring that he can give to his great-great-grandson because he's playing to win the game. Mm. Winning the game is more important than anything else. I was like, if you're that dedicated to winning the game, I mean, I get goosebumps thinking about it because I was standing there. Oh, yeah. I mean, how can you not respect that? That's number one. Number two is um, uh, CJ Stout. Okay. I watched that game against, uh, and I was doing it live, so I was on TikTok Live doing that during the uh, game against the uh, against the Ravens. And I, it might have been like the second pass play. The ball comes out um, to C.J. Stroud, and Stroud goes, and, and the Ravens blitz. 
and they don't pick it up, okay? So number six, number six, he's a stud for, for the Ravens, but the linebacker comes free. He sees the linebacker, and then he goes one, two, three, ball out of bounds before he gets touched. Wow. <laughs> listen, listen, see, you get it. Most people don't understand what I'm just saying. Like, he, the, he, he got the ball, the ball in his hands, and it wasn't like he read it and saw it was coming. He didn't, he, he missed it. They hit it. So they, they, he didn't know where the bitch was coming from. All of a sudden, the ball comes out, hits his hands. He looks like this and sees, oh, damn, there's a free rusher. Then he goes, one, two, three, nobody's open, ball out of bounds. Before the free rusher can put a hand on him. 99.9% of rookie quarterbacks, even if they identify, oh, free rusher, that's number they're one. Get, half half, half get, of them don't even see it. They're okay? going to get smashed. They're going to get smashed. So listen, like you, listen see, it's going to talk to you because you understand this. 99% of rookie quarterbacks are going to get hit in the mouth. Now, about half of them get sacked, but the other half hold the ball a little too long, and, and even when they release it to get rid of it, if they get to that point. Only 25% of them will, like, get rid of it for the sack. But they're going to get hit in the face. They're going to take a shot. This kid recognized the blitz and then was like, okay, one's not open, two's not open, three's not open, and then the ball's out of bound before he can get close enough to put a hand on wow. it. Wow. Yeah, it's – And he did it – and he did it, like, like – I mean, literally, like, six of the first, like, 20 snaps, uh, 20 throws, he, you saw him just throwing balls away. But he yeah. wasn't even taking a shot. He, but he was making his reads and then letting it go. He has the fastest computer of, wow. a, of a rookie quarterback that I have ever seen. He literally reminds me of Peyton Manning year three. That's, that, that, that's what it felt like. It felt that's like watching Peyton, Peyton Manning year three. That's how fast his computer is. Yeah, that's like Peyton. You watch Peyton. Peyton's like, oh, here's a blister. One, two, three. Out of bounds. One, two, three. I mean, like, it's it's he he has a chance. He really he has a chance to to be um to be really really special. I've never seen I've never uh, in my entire career seen a, a rookie quarterback play as fast as he plays. It's unbelievable. It's, un it's unbelievable. And I believe you're talking about Patrick Queen. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why I know Patrick Queen is we had moved to Louisiana for like two years. Patrick Queen was at Livonia High School as a senior. Oh, wow. And I remember hearing his name because the reason why I knew his name is because we had just gone to our first LSU game. Our first LSU game was Ole Miss versus LSU. And it was the game where um, Odell Beckham Jr. ran back a 69-yard touchdown punt for a touchdown, which turned the game around and they won. And that was the infamous press conference where Les Miles goes, every one of these seniors deserve your respect. And if you yeah. see them on <laughs> kiss them on the mouth, if you're <laughs> <laughs> and that was that game. But I remember watching Patrick Queen play and then he'd go to LSU. We watched him play his freshman year. And then I, I, I guess I'd kind of lost touch with him because I, I didn't follow him specifically. And then when he hit the scene, I was like, oh, that dude was a beast. He was that big in high school. And Livonia, actually, they lost that year to a private school, and they lost to the score of the number of the player that this other team had lost 
in a tragic accident. They had scored like 30 something. It was like 33, whatever the point total was for them to win the state championship was this kid's number that they were playing for. You know, it's about goosebumps right now. That's, you know, so, and you know what I've, I, um, I've connected with Patrick Queen's father on X, but I've never been able to, but I would love to talk to him about watching him play in high school. But you know, Rod, this, this has been great, man. Um, we're going to, we're going to wrap things up here, but we're definitely going to have you back because, because this, in baseball terms, this is a home run. In football terms, <laughs> in football terms, this was Chris Jones from Auburn. Sorry, Alabama fans, <laughs> taking it all the way back on a missed field goal. But man, this has been such a pleasure having you on. Make sure y'all follow him on all socials, Rod Smith official, um, or official. I think it's Rod Smith official on 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 X and Instagram, and it's it's just really cool to connect with you all these years later, watching you break my heart, but now. We're hanging out together. So that's very cool. But seriously, you know, for us at Athletically Declined Sports, I'm H. John Wilhouse. He's Rod Smith, the national champion Rod Smith, and the OG Panther. And you know what? To come back and talk more about your NFL career and things like that, I would love to hear you talk about those things. So y'all have a good one. And remember, bury me in the H is H. John Wilhouse show. And we are out. H-Town Wheelhouse, going for the throne, going up the H, got a rep for the home, he ain't never been the clone, man he's so real, since 7, 8, you know we always keep it real, the H on the cow, Houston on the lead, swinging for the fence, hit the ball off the grid, ladies game 6, bottom of the 6, you know he still tipping, still balling in the mix, man and you can't knock him, might as 